Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another solo episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hillier, your host, and we're going to do these solo shows every week along with the interview shows. If you're new to the podcast, which most of you at this point are because the podcast is pretty new itself. So uh, just to give you a rundown, these solo shows are going to come out on Thursdays, and these are going to be some things that we just want to cover, the most random of topics, things that I get questions about via social media or in my coaching group with the men that I coach. Uh, there are things that come up pretty frequently, so we'll just dive into those. Plus, you know, sometimes we might do some fun things like a bunch of top five lists, uh, you know, favorite movies, office quotes. I don't really care what, uh, we, what we what, what we really want to talk about on these Thursdays because they can kind of be our whatever shows, which are going to be fun. So today, however, I had a post out on Instagram. We're going to do an ask me anything. I got a handful of really great questions uh, to keep this one kind of short. I'm only going to do four of the questions that were submitted uh, because I think there's a couple of really good things that we can get into with some of these and some of them are pretty fun. So, and I've been getting asked, like again, uh, I get asked a couple of these fairly frequently. So we're just going to dive right into those. But before we get into the actual show if you haven't done so already, please go subscribe, leave a five-star review, rate the show, and uh, on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, I mean, there's a million, but we're on almost all of them. So if you're listening, you obviously know where you're listening, so just go ahead and do that, please. And if you wouldn't mind, you could even kind of game the system and unsubscribe and then resubscribe and do that again, but I'm going to leave that up to you and your ethical standards if you want to do that. Uh, but that really helps the show grow. And we're looking to do a lot of really cool things with this show. And then if you also haven't, please go to nomad-strength.com 
nomad-strength.com and then you can go sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on all the things that we're doing uh, for the show, get early release notes on the shows that are coming out soon and then you can also check out what coaching programs we've got and the blog is there. That's kind of where everything is going to live is on that website. So nomad-strength.com. Okay, let's get into... To ask me anything questions. The first one, actually, I'm going to do this first because it kind of works as a little bit of a background, and I haven't done a ton of that yet on the show uh, as far as my background. So I thought this would be a good time to do that. Uh, the first one came from one of the guys that I coach, uh, and he just asked, what was my journey into coaching, and how did my path into coaching happen? And it's really, I mean, it's interesting to me, I guess, but it must be interesting to some of you because you've asked me that several times. So the the cool thing about my my journey, if you want to call it, into coaching was that initially I never really thought that I would be coaching in the sense of, actually, I never really thought I'd be coaching. Uh, I actually thought I'd be doing pretty much what I'm doing right now behind a microphone, actually. Uh, when I was in college, I was a comm major uh, because I was also an athlete and that was just kind of the the major that all the athletes took because it was easy classes, you know, easy-ish classes and none of them. And it was actually a, it was in the brochure, in the brochure, one of the selling points for the comm department at the college that I was at was we will not have classes before 11 a.m. And that was golden to me because I needed to wake up early and and hit the weight room for track. And then I usually would even do some morning practices and get, you know, breakfast and get the whole thing in. And so I didn't want to have to worry about taking 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. classes. So not having to be a class before 11 a.m. was beautiful to me for that reason. Uh, so I was doing the calm thing and was actually going to do radio for a career. And that was what I wanted to do. I want to do the sports radio thing. ESPN, you know, get the the morning drive show or whatever it was and do the ESPN talk show thing. That was exactly what I wanted to do. I had several internships uh, with the ESPN affiliates in the area that I was in Montana, did a lot of stuff for them. Even when I graduated college, actually for the the first summer I graduated after college, uh, I had another ESPN affiliate internship back in Idaho in my hometown. And, but that was what I was going to do. And I, for whatever, I mean, I know exactly the reason and I'll get into the reason in a second, but uh, I just never enjoyed it as much as I thought I would, even though I had fun doing it. It was just one of those things that I didn't see it really being a long-term thing. And the, the reason it ended up ultimately falling through was because at the time, uh, my now wife and I were just dating and she was living in a different state. I was in Montana, she was in Idaho. And we did that for two years, which is kind of crazy looking back on it now. I'm not sure how we how we did that, but uh, we were in a different state. And so after college, uh, I was moving back to Idaho, and we and she had gotten a job up in the Boise area, which is about two hours away from where we were currently living in Idaho. And uh, I didn't want to do the distance thing again, so I just said, you know what, I'm just going to follow her, and I'll find a job when I get up there. And we'll just make it work. I actually applied to a radio station to just be like a tech guy for them, just a normal kind of rock radio station up there. Uh, but I didn't hear back from them a lot. 
in terms of getting the job, but I got a job at a gym. And uh, it, training is one thing that I've always loved doing. I've, when, even in sports and competing in athletics from the earliest age, I'd love training. And I started training and, and lifting weights when I was about 12, 13 years old and was hooked ever since. And I always loved the training aspect almost more than the sport aspect of what I was doing. And so it was always something that I put way more focus into. And then just kind of over time, because of my deep love for it, I kind of became the person just amongst my friends that I I would get asked questions about some certain things that they could be doing in the weight room, you know, kind of like a little bit of coaching in a sense, not because I, I wanted to be that person, but just because I was consumed by that world. And looking back on it now, I probably could have done more in the way of preparing myself to be a coach before I was just thrown into a gym setting. But I'm grateful for the path that I took because ultimately it all leads to where I am right now. So uh, anyways, and I get up to Boise, I get a job at a gym. Uh, I got a job as a trainer, did the, you know, the weekend certification thing, which looking back on it now, I, I really just think that was a giant mistake giving me a job as a trainer that hadn't had any experience training people at that time, but they needed some bodies to train some people. And so I was very lucky and fortunate that they gave me a job. It was a big box gym. And, uh, the nice thing about those, even though a lot of people in the industry kind of tend to, you know, poo on them is I got to see a ton of clients and get hundreds and hundreds of hours training clients in a very short amount of time, uh, which was wonderful because I really just got to dive into the deep end and see every kind of person imaginable move and watch them uh, and and study technique and, and really just find out what I loved about coaching and what I wanted to do about coaching. And so, uh, you know, rambling long story up to this point, I'm going to cut it a little short, but I, I ended up leaving that gym and after about two and a half, two and a half-ish years and started my own thing. And I worked as an independent contractor coach out of a couple of boutique gyms for several years, uh, probably four or five years and uh, did all that thing. And then after my son was born, I wanted to be a little bit more available time-wise to just be around and hang out with him. And so I decided to make the transition to go full-time online coaching and, uh, it was, it's been the best decision ever because I have a lot more time and the online space allows me to do a lot of things that I wasn't able to do when I was just working with people uh, in person. Not that I'm not working with people, but working with people in person, it allowed me to do a lot of things and reach more people and, and really kind of grow what it is that I'm wanting to do. And, and actually this podcast is really just another extension of that mission. And so I still actually just recently picked up a couple of in-person clients just because I miss it and I like doing it every once in a while, but it's not something that I do anymore. Really, for the most part, everything is online now. And so everything that you see from me and all the stuff that I do, this is all the branches of the businesses that I run, they're all online. So that's a little bit of the background into the coaching thing. I probably can go a lot more in depth on you know, what kind of things led me to be a coach, but you know, we've got other questions we need to answer. That might be another show in and of itself. So that's kind of the answer to the first one. Okay. The second one was kind of a fun question to uh, think about because it's something that I've been posting a lot of pictures of. I'm fascinated by history and and history in all areas of, of life, not just, you know, like American history or, or all that kind of stuff. But if you follow my Instagram, I post a lot of pictures of like old time strongmen and, you know, health and fitness and, and stuff from hundred plus years ago. I find that stuff amazing because 
we're at the point right now where everything in this industry works like a giant pendulum. Uh, it swings extreme to one side and then it gradually starts to make its way back to the middle and then it'll swing way over to the other side. And I kind of think we're in like this middle position right now because we've spent the last, you know, 40 plus years really just going the complete opposite direction of what was considered health practices a hundred plus years ago. And you might say, well, yeah, obviously we've learned a lot more and, you know, medicine is it all involved and that's can be a whole other conversation as well. But I would actually argue that a lot of the things that were developed in the last 40 to 50 years have been the reason, like the reason that we're actually as unhealthy and overweight and obese as we are as a country. And then as a effect of that, the country that was ultimately hit hardest by you know, COVID, uh, because we have a lot of overweight and obese people in this country. And that kind of is one of the things that makes you more at risk. And so there's no real way to sugarcoat it. That is just what we know about this thing right now. So, uh, anyways, it's, I'm always interested to look back at what everybody was doing in the times of Eugene Sandow and, uh, George Hackenschmidt. And there's all these guys that are, when you look back at them, they're doing the things and they're healthier and strong and they were doing it without all of these things that we were considering, you know, the magic pill, right? Or all these modern practices that we think were making ourselves much healthier than we were a hundred years ago when uh, things were not as advanced, right? But you go look at these guys and they're doing it with so much less information, obviously, but so much less uh, technical know-how, so much less equipment. Uh, It's just amazing that they were in positions that they actually were healthier, arguably, and and really not arguably. I would say a lot of those guys were healthier than most people today and uh, stronger than a lot of people today. But so the question actually came what are some uh, programming things that you can do to uh, to follow that old-time strongman route? And one of the things that's interesting that I tend to think of when I think of those old-time strongmen was kind of the feats of strength aspect, right? Like there are all these guys that are doing these crazy things to prove how strong they are. You see a lot of, you know, guys that are like trying to pick up horses and, you know, uh, pick up things with their teeth and like bend, bent press, you know, uh, uh, man holding of what, you know, there's all these kinds of things. There are pictures that are hilarious and they're awesome. And, uh, these people are way stronger than, than me and most people that I know. But, uh, as far as programming things, if you're wanting to look at just the strength side of things, this, we can really kind of go two ways with this because the, the strength aspect of it really doesn't change much from then to now. If we're talking about building strength, there's some real kind of just core principles that apply no matter what time period you're in. We're talking about like progressive overload, gradually getting a little bit heavier over time, uh, week to week, uh, you know, phase to phase, whatever it is, hammering several of the basics, uh, a, a, a military press and overhead press, uh, that, that type of overhead movement, a squat, a hinge pattern, like a deadlift. Um, if you want to go a little bit more of the explosive route or the power route, you can do something like uh, some Olympic lifts, like power cleans. But um, 
there's not real a lot of change of principle in terms of gaining strength, right? So even though maybe some things look different, a lot of the principles were the same back then just to get the aspect of, or or the aspect of getting stronger was the same as it is today. Now, if we're talking about the actual skill of doing some of those feats of strength, I think that actually is a very interesting question because A, there's not a lot of those guys around anymore to learn from. uh, And I don't mean like the actual guys back then because obviously that was over a hundred years ago. None of them are alive. But I mean, that that phase of stuff kind of just died out. Like there aren't a ton of, you know, feats of strength type of guys around anymore. There are a couple. And uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting the name of one, but he's on Instagram and he's got a great Instagram account. And I'm really bummed that I can't think of it right now, but I'll attach it into the show notes of this for sure. But he does a lot of these old time feats of strength and grip tests and all that kind of stuff. And it's awesome. So when I, when I figure it out, I'm going to definitely remember to put it in the show notes so you guys can go check him out. But in terms of the skill development, I think that's the route that you want to kind of go with this is learning the skill of some of the things that they used to do. So if we're talking about bent presses, right, which is kind of a lost art movement. And if you're not familiar with a bent press, you can do it with anything. It's often done with kettlebells now, but it's a a, a position where you're standing and then you push your hips out to the side and you bend over side, you know, kind of at an angle, like dropping your elbow to your knee. And then you're pressing the kettlebell as you're lowering yourself down. It's kind of hard to explain, you know, just verbally, but if you see someone do it, that's, it's, it's a bent press. But, uh, so I think the skill development part of this is the route that you want to go. So I would, you know, pick a couple of movements that, or things that you may not have done in your programming in the past. Maybe it is a bent press and you can practice the, you know, cause you're going to need to practice the mobility aspect of this and gain some mobility in your shoulders and in your hips and in your thoracic spine to, in order to do these movements, pick a couple of those movements and, and try to find some content or some mentorship on guys that are still doing these things. The bent press specifically, just because that one is I've is one that I've been trying to incorporate into my own programming a lot recently. There are a couple of guys that I follow that do them a lot and are very good at them. Uh, Grace and Strange, who at this point, I'm not sure if his podcast was come before this one or, or after, but we've actually talked to him for this podcast and he runs Basis Health and Performance uh, in, Cal- in Chico, California. And they're actually opening up another gym in upstate New York. Uh, but he does a lot of that type of movement. So he is a great follow for that. So Grayson Strange, I think his Instagram is Strange Grayson, but he's he's got a lot of great content on that kind of stuff, which will his content, the way he coaches, and we talk about that, this in his episode, but he is a lot of, does a lot of stuff coaching mobility. He's a FRC coach, practitioner, so uh, check him out. But there's actually a second thing as far as the strong t- the strongman stuff that I was thinking about as we I was, I was answering this question. Another route that uh, outside of the skill development, I would focus on incorporating things into your program that I consider kind of the farm strength stuff, right? So we're talking about lots of different variations of heavy loaded carries, farmer carries, sandbag carries on your shoulder, uh, sandbag carries bear hug style, doing a lot of sled drags, doing a lot of even you can do if you've got one available, heavy wheelbarrow uh, walks. Those are magic, 
If you've got them for grip strength, for coordination, for core stability, uh, a wheelbarrow is awesome, especially if you've got a one-wheel wheelbarrow, right, where you're actually balancing the stabilization aspect of it. Um, But do a lot of things that challenge grip. Uh, Grip is one of the main things that I think lacks in a lot of our a lot of our programming today. If you do more of a powerlifting thing, just because of the volume of heavy deadlifts that you're doing, I mean, your grip is strong, but if you're only doing deadlifts in order to improve your grip strength, you can still be doing some other things uh, because we want to train our grip in all in all angles of where our hands are. So I don't just mean over double overhand grip like we would do a deadlift. We want that supinated grip as well, which is palms facing out away from our body. So we can do a lot of things in the way of training grip with just different variations of hand position. Uh, But grip strength, lots of loaded carries, uh, those types of things that I would incorporate into a program if we're wanting to go backwards in time a little bit and kind of have a cool little historical old time strongman program, which actually, as I'm talking about this out loud, that sounds like it'd be really dope to try and come up with a program like that. So maybe that's something I'm, I'm actually writing that down right now. That might be something fun to do in the future. But, uh, so incorporating those things would be a couple of keys that I would focus on. So to wrap that question up, the skill development aspect uh, is kind of the fun piece. So look at a couple of the movements that those guys were doing and just learn and focus on developing the skill of those movements and get better at those movements. And then two, incorporate some of what I call like the farm boy strength, right? So lots of loaded carries, lots of, you know, even sled drags, uh, wheelbarrow carries, sandbag stuff, sandbag work, things that are going to challenge your grip, your low back, and also give you some conditioning at the same time. Uh, A lot of things that are missing from a lot of people's programs that are just in a normal kind of globo gym or even, you know, sometimes in a CrossFit gym setting, but they do a lot more of that than people who just go to a normal globo gym. So we're going to wrap up that question and move on to the next one. Uh, This one is following up on my carnivore experience, which had an unfortunate turn. And I'll get into that in a second. But basically the question was just, what's your update on your carnivore experience? So at the beginning of February, is actually the last week of January, uh, myself and the coaching group that, of men that I work with uh, decided that we were going to do a 30-day carnivore challenge. And we laid out all the parameters and we were posting our, our meals and stuff like that, holding each other accountable. And about the end of week two, beginning of week three, I had a wicked bout of... We actually don't know for sure, but all of the symptoms point to salmonella. And so it was a gnarly, you know, almost six days. It was about, it was five, yeah, I would say it was almost six full days of, and not to get too gross. And so I'm not going to go into detail, but essentially I was in the bathroom about every 90 minutes for the first four days. So it was not a pleasant experience. And during that time, I honestly couldn't even get anything down eating wise. Uh, And so I was living off of broth and like some lightly scrambled eggs and water. And that's really it. I bet I, I bet I had five meals the entire week just because I couldn't hold anything in my gut. And it was just five days of emptying out everything. So it was not a fun experience at all. And if you've never had salmonella, there's a lot more things that suck about it than just being in the bathroom frequently. It was some of the gnarliest like stomach cramps I have ever experienced in my life. And so 
coming out of it and I had fever for like two days. It was, yeah, it was not a fun week at all. And so coming out of that experience, uh, I didn't jump right back into a hundred percent back on the carnivore thing. I was kind of easing my way back into it. And so I've even since then, cause it's been about two, about three weeks since the end of that. And so I've really just been living at about 85 to 90% carnivore. Since then, uh, I include things like some potatoes every once in a while, maybe a couple times a week, if that, uh, but some sourdough bread a little more frequently. Um, I was doing raw milk and, and raw honey. So I was getting some carbs there. So it wasn't like I was getting zero carbs as a part of doing the carnivore diet. I was including some raw dairy and raw um, honey, like I mentioned, but so I'm not a hundred percent back to carnivore, but up until that point, up until I got sick. And honestly, we haven't even figured out, we weren't able to nail down what it was that actually got me sick. I have a feeling it was some unfortunately, because they were delicious, uh, some crab legs that we had when we were down visiting my parents over the weekend that right before I got sick. So they may have been undercooked, but we're not even really sure what it was that got me sick. But anyways, uh, since then, like I said, I've been about 85 to 90% carnivore during that time, since, since that time. But up until the time I got sick, it was honestly like the best I had felt in years. Uh, I was energy levels were through the roof. I was literally waking up before my alarm went off, like ready to attack the day. There was no 10 to 20 minute need my body to wake up kind of period. I was ready to go that moment. And there was a lot of other things. I probably, you know, I really only lost about a pound and a half over the course of three weeks, which I wasn't really doing it for weight loss periods, but I, or weight, weight loss purposes, but I did shed a ton of water weight and I felt just lighter on my feet. Uh, my joints were moving a lot better. I wasn't creaky in a lot of places. I mean, I, I definitely am going to go back to a period and maybe I'll do it, you know, in phases and sort of a phasic approach and go through a couple periods during the year where I'll strip back down and go 100% carnivore. But honestly, I'm living at about 85 to 90% complete animal-based and I still feel great. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of the update as far as that's concerned. Ended a little earlier the 30-day challenge than I would have liked, uh, but, you know, not much I could have done about that. There wasn't anything that I did purposely that got me sick, and it was just something I had to deal with. But the guys that I coached that were going through at the same time crushed it. We had a couple of guys lose close to 10 pounds, 12 pounds on one, and all of them were feeling great. It was a pretty cool thing. So I'm actually going to share a lot of their experiences coming up here in a post that I'm writing. So that's the carnivore update. And uh, yeah, it was fun. I'm definitely going to do it again. The last question is one that I will probably make an entire episode and it'll be a little bit longer of an episode dedicated just to this. But I wanted to touch on just sort of a point of this that I think is important. And the question was talking about how to set long-term goals for health instead of the 60-day approach or the six-week approach and why that isn't successful. And so I'm going to do a full goal-setting episode. And that's all we're going to talk about. I'm going to actually walk you through my process of how I coach people how to set goals. And it's going to be something that's going to be really valuable because it's one of the most powerful things that I was taught in terms of how to set goals that are going to actually be meaningful and beneficial and, and allow me to pursue the work that it takes to accomplish those goals. So 
what I want to talk about in this moment is just really more the mindset piece that goes along with that and why the, the long-term goals is such a hard concept for people to understand and, and why the six-week goals are what everybody, ch- everybody chases. And that seems kind of obvious right now because we live in this world where we're sold that things can happen in 30 days or less, right? I mean, that's the marketing ploy of all of the products, all of the programs is that you will get the result in a short amount of time. And so we buy the product or we buy the service or we buy the program telling us that we're going to get this result. When in actuality, they know that that's not the case. And I'm saying they, I'm referring to the people buying the program. Most of the time, they know that that's not the case, that they're not actually going to do it, but they're wanting some form of progress because they're thinking, I need to be this way right now. I need to change myself right now. Not having in their mind that change is incremental. It happens in small steps over the course of weeks, months, years, decades. And I actually had a, a, a big post about this that I did several weeks back, but one of the coolest lessons I was ever taught in just a little quote, but by one of my old business coaches was that the most successful people on the planet, and this is in business, this is in anything, they think in terms of decades, not even in terms of years. And so some of us that can't even, we can't even grasp the concept of setting a goal or imagining ourselves 10 plus years from now. Like we're trying just to figure out how to operate next week or even like, you know, like what, what's my plan for today, right? How am I going to do this today and tomorrow and be successful at this? And, and some people who are a little bit farther along, they're making one year goals. I mean, and even if you get somebody who's been doing this for a long time and is pretty fit, pretty healthy or whatever it is that they're trying to set goals for, even they have trouble setting longer term goals than one to three years. And so this this aspect of being able to do this is more of a mindset thing than it is uh, just doing stuff, right? And let me explain what I mean. So if we were to set a 10-year goal, which I recommend that people do a lot. So there's an exercise that was very beneficial for me when I was learning this process called the perfect day exercise. And basically just give yourself enough time. I would say give yourself an hour and get to a place where you can be, you know, not distracted by anything, where you can just have pen and paper and let your hand write free, right? So the, the, the purpose of this goal is to, or the purpose of this exercise is to write down in excruciating detail what your absolute perfect day in your perfect life looks like, where you're waking up, who you're waking up next to, what does your house look like? What are you doing first thing in the morning? Is it a work day? Where are you going to work? What car are you driving? I mean, like you're doing all of this stuff and it's just the the purpose of the exercise is to allow you to think long-term, right? And, and some of this might be nothing that you've got right now. Some of it, you might have some of this right now. You might actually be really close to living your perfect day. That's great. But the point of this is we're going to create this date far out into the future. And then as we're going to write our goals, we're going to work backwards from that and be like, okay, well, what kind of things do I need to be doing if this is where I'm trying to get, right? If it's something with my business, if, I, if this is the impact I want to make with my business, what steps do I need to take to get me here if this is where I'm going to be in 10 years? And so we have to have that picture at the end in order to take the steps and work backwards from that. Imagine if you're just like driving on a road trip. It's really hard to get directions to somewhere you don't know where you're going. 
if you type into Google Maps, you ask Siri, like, just give me directions uh, and, t- and tell me how to get to this place. And they, she's like, well, what place? And you, or if you're asking somebody, they're like, what place? And you're like, yeah, just over there. You know, just, you know, get that direction. Give me, give me directions to, to that place over there. And they're like, what place? So you can see that it's the same way with our goals. If we don't know what we're trying to plan for and work for, it's really hard to create the plan and the, and the process to get to that point. So the, the purpose of that perfect day exercise is to get you in the habit of thinking long term so that you can create the plan working backwards from there. So that's a really simple way to sort of begin to shift the process of how I think about writing goals, right? Is to think about, and, and I, I honestly say it should be 10 years in the future at the minimum, right? We're not talking about one-year goals. We're talking about a decade from now. So think about that. And then as you go through this process, and when we get into the actual episode that I'm going to record on this, I'm going to walk you through the actual process of how do we work backwards from there, set five, three, one-year goals, 90-day goals, how do we create habits? All of that is going to be a part of that episode. But this mindset piece is actually really important. So it would be good homework for you before I do this next episode to have already done this perfect day exercise because you're going to have a leg up when I actually go through this process. So... To answer that question, there's a lot of things, but I'm not going to do them all today. I really just want you to think about thinking long-term. And the reason that that is beneficial other than it helps you create a roadmap is it allows you to have some perspective. And so if we're talking about training, if the only thing that you're training for is 30 days from now, you're going to destroy yourself in 30 days and then within that 30 days. And then after that, you might be busted up for months right? And unable to do anything. But if I tell you, uh, I'm going to train to lift, you know, whatever it is, because I don't want to attach a number to it because it's not really that big of a deal, but I want to do something rad on my 80th birthday. If I say that, like I'm going to train for something on my 80th birthday, that's going to mentally in my head change how I'm acting today. I'm not going to go through a period of time where I'm where my whole purpose is to just destroy my body because I might if I do that I might not be able to do this thing when I'm 80 years old. And there's some balance there because there's the competitive side of us that wants to work towards something which I absolutely think is beneficial especially for men. If you have something in a period of time, get after it. And and if it's 12 weeks, 6 month block or whatever, train your butt off in order to get to that point. And, uh, but understand that that lifestyle, if you continue to do that forever, it's going to really break you down. And I can point to a lot of people that I've talked to and friends that I have that lived that lifestyle for a long time and are dealing with things injury wise and lifestyle wise, and even mental health wise, that as a result of that lifestyle, it's really hard for them to overcome that. And so, thinking long-term allows you to take a step back and be like, well, is what I'm doing today going to be beneficial for that? And that doesn't give you license to back off and just mean you're coasting or there's no intensity anymore, right? Because our body needs intensity and periods of high intensity moments in training to really adapt and become the highest optimal versions of ourselves. But it allows you to just again, take some perspective on how you're approaching health and strength and fitness and whatever it is that you want to call it. So the long-term thing is super interesting. And it was a great question. I'm glad I did this portion of it to kind of lead into the episode I'm going to do on how to do goal setting, but I'm going to leave it right there. So do the perfect day exercise. And if you do it, 
let me know how it goes because I'm interested to hear everybody's experience with how it went. So those are actually the four questions that we did for this week's or this, you know, this episodes or this rounds, ask me anything. I'll do more of those in the future. Uh, if you have anything on these solo shows that you want me to cover or questions that you have, you can always message me on Instagram uh, at Coach Ross Hilliard. You can respond or, or reply to newsletter posts, or you can send me an email, ross at ironnomad.com. Again, if you wouldn't mind, please go rate, review, subscribe, do the whole thing wherever you listen to podcasts. It'll help the show grow. And uh, stay tuned for next week. Got some rad interviews and another solo show. Have a good weekend, y'all, and I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.